Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... It's day two of the Soaring Twenties high-flying picture book debuts. Let's see what's in store for today. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 589. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. I invited the members of the Soaring Twenties high-flying picture book debuts to take over the podcast for the week. Today, a group of kid-lit bookmakers is answering the question, what did writing or illustrating your book teach you about your craft or about yourself? Answering that question today is none other than Carrie Finnison, Shelley Johannes, Anna Crowley-Redding, Gregory Barrington, Xing Zhuang, and Colleen Paff. Check the link in the show notes or visit the Children's Book Podcast on Bookshop to browse any of the books featured throughout this week's episodes. When you shop there, your books are sourced from independent bookstores across the country. It also supports the Children's Book Podcast. Double the good with a single click. And now, let's turn it over to the Soaring Twenties high-flying picture book debuts. My name is Carrie Finnison, and I'm a picture book author. My debut picture book is called Dozens of Donuts, illustrated by Brianne Farley, and it's being published in July 2020 by Putnam. Dozens of Donuts is about a generous bear named Luann who makes batch after batch of donuts that she intended for herself but ends up dividing among an ever-growing number of her woodland friends. So there's a little math, many, many donuts, and some ideas about what it means to share and be a good friend. Besides learning exactly how many donuts I'm capable of eating, uh, one thing that writing Dozens of Donuts taught me was how to persevere through writing, revising, and submitting a rhyming picture book manuscript. I think all writers face rejection um, through the submission process, but when you write in rhyme, sometimes it feels like that rejection starts before you've even submitted anything, because you hear agents and editors say they don't want to see rhyming submissions. So that can be really discouraging before you've even started. Um, So I think that working through this story really helped me to develop the skill of just tuning all that out, focusing on the story in front of me. Um, I just knew that I would have to make the rhyme undeniable. And so a second thing that this book taught me was how to persevere and the the level of craft that it really takes to revise a rhyming picture book. 
Writing in rhyme is hard. Revising in rhyme is much harder. Um, it's like a Jenga puzzle where you're gently pulling pieces out, placing new pieces, hoping that the whole thing does not come tumbling down. Sometimes it does, and you have to start over again, but it's okay because uh, there's always another way to express yourself in rhyme. Sometimes you just have to dig really deep to figure out what that is. I'm Shelley Johannes, the author and illustrator of the Beatrice Zinker Upside Down Thinker chapter book series. It's been an exciting month because not only did Beatrice's third adventure, Sabotage, release on March 10th, I also just turned in the final artwork for my first picture book, More Than Sunny. It releases from Abrams Books for Young Readers in spring of 2021, and I am so excited to share it with you. With sparse, buoyant text, More Than Sunny follows a pair of siblings as they romp through the seasons of the year, bringing optimism, curiosity, and wonder to each situation they encounter, no matter the weather. One of the biggest things that I learned or rediscovered about myself and my craft while making More Than Sunny is how much I love process. No matter how much I try to fight it or pretend those days are long behind me, I'm actually a long-term perfectionist and I'm really hard on myself. I tend to get stuck in the desire to make something good and I spin my wheels. There can be a lot of internal and external pressure when you're making a book to produce efficiently or on a certain timeline. Making More Than Sunny was the first time that I completely let go of that overwhelming need to get it right, right now. This was the project I went back to in between other deadlines as a reward for myself. It was my no pressure, just for fun project. Whenever I had a little sliver of time, I tried to send another round of it to my agent because his feedback is amazing and it's a reward of its own. Instead of worrying about figuring out the solution, each rendition of the story was more about curiosity. I would wonder, what am I going to discover while making this version of the book? Almost like a long-term treasure hunt. There's nothing more fun than those moments of accidental discovery you get from playing around with no pressure and just for fun. When you acknowledge that making a book is a very long process, and instead of trying to rush through the journey, you enjoy every second of it. When I look back and see how far both my text and my artwork came along that journey, and how much they grew in joy, I am amazed, and I really hope that that joy jumped into the story. I know when I look back on the process, it's always going to be a touchstone for me of what it feels like to thoroughly enjoy making a book, and I hope to recapture that spirit as I move on and make my next book. I'm Anna Crowley Redding, author of the just released picture book, Rescuing the Declaration of Independence. This book is a true and completely forgotten story of an American hero who saved the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, and other founding documents from British torches during the War of 1812. Without this man, those documents would be 
ashes. They would be lost to us. I wrote this book between two huge life events in my own life, the death of a family member followed by my own diagnosis with breast cancer. It was a very tough time. And yet I was writing about this worker's bravery, his ability to face tough choices, to dig deep, and to find the courage to do what needed to be done. His story inspired me, it motivated me, and I hope that rescuing the Declaration of Independence will inspire young readers the same way, that you have what it takes during a tough time to find your own courage and to do what needs to be done. Whatever that is and whatever it requires, you can do it. Hello, my name is Gregory Barrington. I'm the author and illustrator of the book Cowboy is Not a Cowboy, which is being published by HarperCollins and is currently scheduled for a fall 2020 release. Very briefly, Cowboy is Not a Cowboy is a story of friendship and overcoming fear. You'll be introduced to Merle, who is a cowboy and is very ordinary and humdrum, and Goat Girl who, well, she's anything but ordinary. What did I learn about myself? Well, I learned I'm a very different person when I'm writing and revising versus illustrating. Actually, thinking about it, I realize I'm a little like the two characters in the book. When writing, I'd be more like Merle, who is a bull, and a bit of a recluse. I want quiet and crave the solitude so I can, I can be lost in the jukebox of my own mind. But when illustrating, I'd be much more like Goat Girl, bursting with energy, could easily carry on conversations, and turn the music up, way, way up. What has the whole process taught me? Oh, wow. I still have a lot to learn. <laughs> Which might sound silly, especially if I heard myself saying this when I was first starting, or when I first joined SCBWI. I think I would know everything now, but... Now I feel like I, I still know very little. I mean, who I am as a writer has changed significantly from the very first draft of this particular book compared to when it was acquired, which was a period of about two years, uh, to even now. And likewise with illustration, um, I really had no idea what I was getting into when I was starting the illustration of the book um, surprise to my agent <laughs> on that <laughs> but um, because I'm not an illustrator per se so the core illustrations for this book took about three three and a half months which may or may not seem like a short amount or long amount of time to you but personal growth during that time was huge I also think I aged about twice that amount of time during that period because <laughs> that was some pressure so first month, I got my color palette set. I decided upon the digital brushes I was using for this book, and I was moving ahead, finished multiple spreads, and I was feeling pretty good. Um, you know, sort of like Dory from Finding Nemo, you know, keep swimming, keep swimming. I'm, I'm on my plan. I'm going forward. But come month two, I'm looking back at some of my first pages, and I think, oh my goodness, they're horrible. I need to redo everything. And so I did. And now I only had about two months. 
And at the end of the second month, I'm really starting to feel the pressure about the, you know, how many pages I have left. But I had a schedule. I had revised the schedule with the revisions, and I still had a plan. I should be good. But, of course, after month two, I look back at my earlier revised pages, and I think again, oh, my goodness, they're, they're, they're not horrible, but they could be better. So I was going back, and yes, I, I was revising the art again and while creating the new pages, and that, those were some very intense months for me. So moral of the story, <laughs> don't look back. <laughs> no, no, do, do look back, but that's where you're going to see that uh, you will continue and continue to grow. I'm Ching Zhuang, illustrator of How Long Is Forever, written by Kelly Carey. In the story, Grandpa challenges the very impatient Mason to find the meaning of forever. Mason searches everywhere throughout their farm and finds the answer to the very things he takes for granted. When I first got the project, I cried thanks to the heavens above and danced triumphantly. But after that, I went straight to researching and sketching designs feverishly. I had been dreaming about this moment forever. I had studied illustration in college and attended years of countless workshops. I knew that the artist has the responsibility to materialize the world in the words, bring characters to life. I knew all the phases of design, thumbnail, dummy, final art. I did my research, visiting, and even living on a farm for several days, collecting reference pictures. I even watched YouTube videos of farmers selling their vintage tractors so that I could select the perfect one to feature in the book. I was thorough. I was prepared. <laughs> so I thought. Despite all the prep, maintaining consistency throughout the different phases of revisions was very challenging. One change on one page affects the design everywhere. <laughs> this was especially tricky given that I was working traditionally. For example, sometimes the layout requires a tree or a bird feeder to be removed and BAM! They need to disappear on all the other pages. Some of the changes were made during the sketching phase, but much had to be revised after the final art was delivered. I swear I went through everything with a fine-tooth comb. Still, there were mistakes. I mean, how did I miss that Grandpa had a wedding ring and sideburns on one page and had neither on the next page? Through this process, I learned that as much as I love working in solitude, the patience and experienced eye of an art director can totally bring my work to a new level. The most valuable thing I gained from creating my debut book is what I learned about my own strength. This book is evidence that I can push through all the self-doubt and deliver something complete that I can be proud of. Also, I have a renewed appreciation of Photoshop. With it, I edited in all those sideburns on Grandpa seamlessly. Special thanks to the fine editors at Charles Bridge Publishing, How Long Is Forever is out April 2020. It is a sincere labor of love, and I hope you all check it out. 
Pauline Path. I'm the author of The Great Stink, How Joseph Bazalgette Solved London's Poop Pollution Problem. The book will be illustrated by Nancy Carpenter, and it's scheduled to be released in March of 2021. It's a true story about how by 1858, London's River Gems had become a smelly, disgusting, cholera-spreading mess, and how Victorian engineer Joseph Bazalgette cleaned it up by building England's first modern sewer system. I definitely learned a lot from working on this book, but I would say as far as Minecraft goes, the two main things I learned were to take chances on my subject matter and also to follow my instincts. Um, the subject of building the modern sewer isn't one that automatically screams out picture book, but it was a subject that was really fascinating to me. And also the event that precipitated the building of the sewers in 1858 was called the Great Stink. And that did scream out in children's book. So I thought if there was a way that I could figure out to, you know, to tell the story that would be appealing to children, that it would actually make a really good picture book. So the, the way that I decided to do it was to structure it like a timeline. Originally, I had thought I would do more of a straight biography of Joseph Bazalgette, the engineer, but I wanted to um, be able to show how the river had become so polluted. I wanted to show that at one time it was, you know, pristine and clean and beautiful, and how over time it became this big polluted open sewer, basically. And so I ended up doing a timeline structure in the body of the book, which I hadn't really seen before. I mean, I'm sure it has to exist somewhere, but I, I couldn't find an example of a book that had already been published that used that structure. So I was a little bit worried about it. But then I had a critique from Candace Fleming, and she actually really liked the structure. So I felt like with that little nod of approval that I could hold on to it and keep using it. And I'm really glad I did. I'm so grateful to Candace for, for giving me that critique and for, you know, giving me the, um, I don't know, the... Uh, courage, I guess, <laughs> to, to, to stick with my instincts because I am really happy with the way it turned out. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of nearly 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive, with special music this week by Chad Crouch, also from Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of their publishers or of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Become a patron by visiting patreon.com and visiting the Children's Book Podcast. You can also write a review on iTunes or share the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means. That helps us reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that 
is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.